Welcome to Opening Presence, the podcast about creative self-realization. My name is Aaron Robinson. Thank you so much for joining me. In today's episode, I sit down with Rob Darmore, owner and creative director of It Vanishes, an experimental outdoor brand operating out of Portland, Oregon. It Vanishes is dedicated to repurposing unused materials from large-scale productions and deeming them not waste. Rob also facilitates It Vanishes Hike Club for people who don't hike, a community inspired to explore our unique personal relationship to nature. If you enjoy this episode, make sure to share it with a friend. Now, without further ado, welcome to Opening Presence. That'll be my my middle-aged project. What is doing a uh, the millennial version of a of a birding outfit for like going out and looking at birds? I feel the, like people dress like that's our it's already like moving that way. Oh yeah, whereas like these isolated isolated models of of uh, fashion expression, it's like everyone's just creating a motif. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, is that motif worthy enough to be spread around and populated? Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, it's, it's, I feel like that's what's been kind of cool about just the internet age, is you have so many different motifs of style. Mm-hmm. And then there's all these different kind of sets and groups that spring up and support it. Yeah, the one that frustrates me the most is like the the Instagram ad one where they just like pull the element, the design aesthetic oh, of yeah. of a Yeezy or something like that, and then they just create this whole like pseudo fucking Urban Outfitters version of this like this inner city modern dynamic uh, athletic looking thing, and I'm just like, oh, like you guys are just trying to capitalize you guys aren't even like just, trying to innovate it's an aesthetic rather than a like an actual expression of a perspective and philosophy sure it's sure. just funny though because it's like it it's a great imitation though it's yeah. like it looks it's it imitation. looks good it looks it looks sharp but like you could just you just know that it wasn't from the source you know what industry doesn't do that at all is the auto industry <laughs> Auto and Aaron misses oh, the joke. joke. Yeah, I was like, ah. there's so many similar ca- cars. That's all. That's yeah. All. Do you know Renault is coming back? Or I don't really? know if they've ever left, but like I saw a Renault, uh, like an old, like a old or I, okay. So I'm inspired by Renault, like their old like turbo rally car looking things, oh, yeah, like yeah, little yeah. boxes with like the slanted backs. That's a good. And I always like I, I'm always like looking at those for inspiration, but then I saw like a brand new Renault that was like living way off in the distant future and I was like I didn't know that they were still a thing so how do these uh these these I think they've been in co- these companies just hang around yeah it's, I think it's like Ferrari's little brother or something it, I know they they're under the wing of like a big renowned like auto company yeah they're all they're all kind of conglomerated it up but yeah i like the alfa romeo that came back over here the it's, little one little it was squeak no it was like a it was like a sedan um an alfa, just, alfa romeo sedan yeah, yeah yeah i can't remember what the model was but it was just so i was like all right 
We'll take that that's one back. How we're gonna roll. We'll, 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 we'll bring that one back over. Yeah. Here. But yeah, because Alfa Romeo made some beautiful cars, hmm. and uh, and it's all, it's funny because a lot of modern cars are there. There's kind of an aesthetic because it's so expensive to make a car. There's like kind of the safety aesthetic that everything kind of looks similar. Yeah, yeah. But that's still that one still kind of had a distinct like you know expression stance and stuff like that. I mean. It still wasn't an old, you know, Alpha, but it's still pretty. It's mm. it's it's nice to see. It's no Cybertruck. Let's say let's put it that way. Like that's a that's a decisive uh, <laughs> design language. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I didn't. Okay, so when I first when I first saw it, the I was like, Cybertruck, the Cybertruck, the, the Tesla one, the Tesla Cybertruck. I was like, oh, cool. They made like the Halo truck. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but I didn't actually realize why it was the shape it was, and I, I what I learned was that it because of it being made out of stainless steel, which is very difficult to form. You can't form it in a traditional way. It breaks down the tooling for the production. Uh, the best way to to form it is like kind of more through angular lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, and it and they just went for it. They're like, yeah, let's release it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of I kind of I kind of like that. I like that we're there. We're, yeah. we're we got an a company in the auto industry that's willing to just take a risk, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, you know, they've been figuring it out for a few years. Yeah. <laughs> Do you come across that restraint within your own creative outputs where there's something that you feel like you want to put out but it goes against the grain or against convention? Yeah, I mean, I I I'd be really interested to talk with the designers for that car because there's like this process in the creatively for me at least where i get really excited about something new and kind of off the wall and it's like you see it come to life but you also are a little once you created it you're there's a little bit of a is is this too much is this too far Mm. um and i think it i think it comes I think that that's there's something about that process that's a little bit mysterious even to me uh, in my own practice it, but um it's something I've been specifically wanting to identify a little bit more and and feel free up to take more risks and like just kind of trust instinct mm-hmm. um, but yeah it's an interesting one cuz there's like a creative hubris to believing everything you do is going to be brilliant sure but um, there's also the necessity of actually taking risk and like pushing things. And usually, if they're coming from within and for yourself, there's a pretty valid reason for it. Yeah, so. totally. I think part of the the distinction between designer and artist like that gets worked out within how you identify. Because I feel like if you're like, I'm an artist, then it's easy to just throw the shit against the wall and walk away and be like, look, like this is the thing. But if you're a designer, you ask a little bit more questions about why am I doing this thing and what does it mean in the grand grand picture? So like the hubris comes out a lot in the artist side, but it's like... We kind of expect it almost though. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's an artist. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Where do you uh, find yourself in that? Uh, dynamic um i mean i think kind of funny enough i I actually studied fine art in university uh and then went into design uh, for 
bigger corporations and um, I learned a lot about the practice of design kind of in in work um, but it's funny because the the training for art is is a is a little bit about technique and that's certainly what you spend time in school on but you know we don't really marvel at like the technique that Warhol used or whatever it's more like what the expression ends up being mm-hmm. and I think that um, re rediscovering that sense of expression and gesture in my creative practice as a designer has kind of given me it's I think it's helped guide me through some of those questions of like where I get where I'm looking at something that surprised me or you know, was instinctually just kind of came out of me, and it felt natural. Mm-hmm. But the but the result is something a little bit different than what I would have expected. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of thinking about it from the lens of an artist of like, well, it I just I did it. You know, there, there, you don't have to justify every yeah. creative thing you do because otherwise it could become a little too stale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely resonate with that. Where I guess in the past. Um, there's like that that doubt or at least wanting to make your thing look like something else like you yeah. feel like you're missing the mark all the time yeah but you repeatedly create this output that has this signature that you are the owner of and then once you start accepting that is when you start i guess decoding what the hidden language that you are uh articulating with your with your creative output instead of just like shunning it and wishing it was something else you're like oh what are these experiences that are coming out in my work and what are the central themes that that keep on happening over and over again and and once you accept that i feel like that's like the place where you actually like start yeah it's like okay like this is just this is just me i need to stop uh doubting doubting and thinking that i need to be something else yeah it it kind of comes on a macro level back to self-acceptance mm-hmm. yeah totally <laughs> but it's funny I was I, thinking back about school um, I had a professor who was fabulous his name was Ron Graff and uh, it was a it was a painting and drawing class and uh, he really encouraged everybody to just draw the way they draw mm. he wasn't really trying to focus our technique around the execution he was he was just really trying to help us see better um, and at that point, you know, you, I'd already had like three years of school, going to school, tons of drawing classes, but there was something just about how okay he made you f- feel about your own gesture and hand uh, in your drawing. Um, and it's funny because, you know, that was university. Uh, before that, it was kind of like my dad was a practicing fine artist growing up, and he, um, you know, he would always just be like, you know, your handwriting is your handwriting. You, you, you know, you just got to, your drawing is your drawing. You got to let go of worrying if it's good enough for other people's comparisons. Mm-hmm. But f- find find your own love and find your own uh, expression with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think as a designer, an artist, whatever, musician, I think it's, I think, I think some of instinct is learning to, to, not just trust yourself, but also to um, appreciate your own handwriting, mm-hmm. your own drawing technique, your own the way that you strum a guitar is going to be that thing that makes it 
you, you know? And so like yeah. trying to fight that is almost like trying to fight your own identity and personality. Yeah. And, um, you know, spent, I spent a good time trying to do that. <laughs> yeah. Fighting so hard to conform. Yeah, like, because why can't you, I be like everybody else? Damn it! Yeah, because you, you want to have like a career and you want to have like success and and they're all good things. Um, and I think that when you're learning and you're young, um, or at least you're new to your career or you're new to a practice, it's important to to look around, identify the things that inspire you, and replicate them. Um, Yoji Yamamoto talked about that. He's like you know, you know, uh, copy, copy, copy. Uh, and at the end you will find your own, you will find your own path through it. Um, mm-hmm. And he's not saying that by copying a bunch of stuff, you're going to find your own identity. What he's saying is that you'll, you'll be learning from all of these other people and these other masters. And yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's, that's a touches on like getting the engines going and just like getting active Yeah. instead of like out of the, just get out of the mind. Cause like we can sit in conceptual mental building, like game planning in your head for the yes. longest time. And it's like, you didn't even put the paint on the canvas yet. Like totally. you got to move the paint around. You got to move the brush around. Yeah. And once you break through that, those barriers, then it's like, okay, like now what do I want to, what do I want to create now since like I've removed this barrier for me Yeah. and there's plenty of those. Like there was a barrier for this podcast for like months where it was just like, yeah, it was yeah. just hanging. I got this nice equipment just hanging, hanging around. You got to do the you thing. Have those, you have those, <laughs> those barriers that you have that, that I guess you get, you have an experience where the door just opens and you just look, you look and see like, Oh, this story I've told myself of why I can't do something has just become so ridiculous that I just need to do it. Like, it's just kind of ridiculous that I'm upholding this, this false story of that's hamstringing my ability to move forward and, and execute on a vision that, that I feel eternally connected to. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think it's, um, you know the all those little things where you're like i gotta strategize this and i gotta do this those are those have some value but really sometimes that stuff's just the really early precursors of holding holding yourself back um because you're you're trying to do something else that some you know that you're seeing or that you're wanting to see um and yeah it's a kind of a fine line between you know holding yourself to the standard of of something that may be already out there uh, and and jumping in and creating your own standard that you want to follow to create your own thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't just know what that new standard is going to be uh, until you try it, and you can't really um, formulate an opinion about what you're trying to do until you've you know seen a lot of seen a lot of like art history or listen to a lot of music or mm-hmm. you know whatever your, that practice is so it's like this funny thing where you you've got to kind of you got to learn the basics yeah um and you got to learn from people that really inspire you and then i ultimately i think you got to kind of learn from yourself um and accept that you know you're not going to have every answer but um Mm-hmm. you know you're you're on a path to uncover it for yourself yeah and it's a different thing it's like a it's more like becomes a journey that you're pursuing rather than trying to um uncover a, a pathway it's mm-hmm. more like striking your own path definitely so, so you're you mentioned that your your father is a fine artist 
How yeah. was how was that growing up? Because I know a lot. It's that's not a typical thing for yeah, was, for turns artists out. or creators in in general <laughs> to have a have a parent that yeah. does that. So what is his discipline and he gives um, a, that kind of backstory? Interestingly, he was a he was a sculptor when I was growing up. He he practiced um, wax and clay. Uh, sculpture and then cast it into bronze so mm. technically it was a bronze sculpture but you didn't like sculpt bronze you just cast <laughs> bronze. um and uh he's a bit of a renaissance man he you know i kind of call him our family's forrest gump because he's you know he he went to kent state which uh, just had uh, the 50th um year since you know the tragedy of the kent state shootings which was a huge milestone in that time frame. He um, he was in the military for a little while. Uh, in you know he lived in, in he grew up in Cleveland and then uh, his first wife and my older sister um, before I was around they all got in a car and moved out west. Um, you know and I was that that whole story to me was just amazing too. Just like we just packed up the car and we moved mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, anyway, but he's just had a lot of these different experiences. And on top of it, he's been practicing uh, art off and on for his whole life. Um, his professional career was actually based in the um, engineering field, and in, in uh, like industrial engineering and, um, and model making for like massive like, truck parts and, um, you know, hydroelectric dam things. And mm-hmm. He did a coin sorter in the the mid eighties, um, before any kind of computer software was involved, uh, that could sort, you know, 50 different currencies, uh, and it had to be accurate, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, it, um, so he has this really, really scientific brain. And then he has this very, very like creative fine artist brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm probably a very fortunate, uh, byproduct of, of the lessons yeah, that I grew up with. I was like, all right, so I see some of those those things in you as well. Uh, but yeah, he, that's what I'm saying. He's kind of like, I call him Forrest Gump because he just kind of did a very, very robust amount of things in his life. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, his, his fine art practice was, was really, uh, it really influenced me because it broke down the idea that art or creative work had to be scary mm-hmm. and I remember going to uh, to school and we had our like I didn't really do any f- art classes in high school and so I went to uh, university and I had our we had our first drawing critique where everyone had to do the drawing and then put it up on the wall and I was like whatever you know I don't know I didn't, just didn't, didn't know any better um, and uh, it was like but I, I it was funny because I had some friends that were like really stressed about it you know they were like I don't, don't want to put my work up I'm like wasn't well, that the what are we doing here you know yeah <laughs> um and it you know i i don't think it was good even necessarily but i think i was just excited to to for the dialogue and the the feedback and um uh, you know i think that i think that what i really learned from my dad was the appreciation that you're always learning forward you know and um he uh he's 75 now or he's going to be 75 this year and he um even today he's still he's still drawing and rediscovering um 
some of the old stories from his family and putting those into drawings and um, you know he's a he's a he doesn't stop learning any, sure. you know even even if he's not as active in the art world and as as he was his um just mentally when you talk to him you're like you're sharp sharp <laughs> dude yeah uh, he's not lazy that's for sure yeah no that's a fabulous example that he's that he's set in instilling the the non-fear from sharing your the thing that you create like that's yeah. a huge barrier that like adult artists like myself like oh like, yeah like everybody goes through it but like to to just be like this is a part of us getting better and and learning and just yeah. and not stopping that pursuit because it is an, a never-ending thing of unfolding and expressing and just knowing that like hamstringing that process because of fear yeah. is something that's not helping anything. It's not helping me. It's not helping the audience. It's not helping anybody for yeah. you to hold your thing back. Totally. It's a, uh, you could, you, like you said, it, it hamstrings the experience the audience will have. Uh-huh. It does. You mm -hmm. can, cause you're like, they want it. Yeah, they, they do. They want it all. Yeah. You know, and it, it yeah. doesn't need to be super pretty sometimes too, you know? Sure. Um, the, the rawness of expression sometimes is the thing that really is motivating and exciting. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So. Once, once I understood that like intention was the thing that, that I, that needs to be aligned and the execution doesn't like, I don't need to obsess about execution, but if my heart is in the right place and my mind and, yeah. and everything else is aligned and I'm going in that direction, I commit to it and yeah. just hold nothing back. I'm okay with whatever happens, whether it's an it's a painting or a song or yeah. or a photo shoot or whatever. It's just like okay, I'm aligned. Whatever expression comes out, let it surprise me. Yeah, but I'm okay with that. Yeah, I mean, I I think you know, I think that 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 it, that setting intention and just going for it is, um, I think that's part of kind of the self acceptance thing. Cause yeah, like, I did it, and. Um, you know, I hope people enjoy it, but sometimes um, we may find that it there's some sometimes like you know some projects really really successful and very little effort. Other mm -hmm. projects well received, I you know maybe not, <laughs> um, but lots and lots of effort. And I yeah. think um, I think, but I think what's interesting to me is the relationship between the things that you. You know, when you're going through a lot of process, um, really thinking through something and, and really putting putting work in, it sometimes is a is a place where you're just stretching and growing yourself. Yeah. And then you come back to like a couple pieces, a couple elements out of that thing, and put that back into your own work, and suddenly you kind of have this like distilled down mm -hmm. gold that's that's more of a gesture or a. Um, a you know, an intuitive kind of reflex. Sure. Wow. That's layered. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of layers. So if you're listening at home, I'm sorry. <laughs> Dope. Okay, so let, I want to talk about It Vanishes because that is your anchoring creative expression. And for those that, that don't know, what is It Vanishes? Uh, it Vanishes is... Uh, a project that I took up um, a few years ago to re-examine 
design for myself and, you know, out of my practice working in the industries um, related to the outdoors um, and looking at kind of um, how do we make product in a, in a world where there's a lot of stuff, yeah, you know, how do we, um, how do we make really quality products in a way that is, um, a new product in a way that is like, um, you know, I don't quite want to say sustainable, but a, a little bit more, you know, there's a lot of stuff around and we just, we kind of, we realized we want to use up that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so from a product design standpoint, we really, we work with a lot of dead stock materials, uh, and we bring them to life in silhouettes that are intended for use in the outdoors, but could be easy wearing enough to just look good every day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then part of that too was just um, in design. I, I kind of missed this sense of community and direct connection with not just designers, but other people that were out exploring the world and, you know, shaping it, creating it, mm-hmm. not unlike yourself. Um that were bringing their sense of creativity and curiosity uh, to the world around them. And so um, we started a hiking club uh, for like, for like not hikers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) For people who don't hike. For for people who don't hike quote. Um, But the idea was just really to encourage a a sense of community around um, people that, you know, didn't necessarily see their direct relationship with nature. Um, and, you know, what's been cool about that is that we've gotten to see a lot of different, you know, people just show up and um, they bring their energy and their curiosity and their questions about, um, and and their insights too, about just like, what is nature to them? And um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's a, it's one skin, it's layered, um, but basically it vanishes as an outdoor brand that um, aims to make products in a way that's, you know, uh, responsible to the planet, to the to the people, and uh, create a sense of community outside uh, through, you know, a uh, I don't know, just an openness to what yeah. people want to bring. No, to I, it. I totally feel that, and I'm I'm honored to feel a part of the community that you've built. And I'm wearing your pants right now, which are among my good. among my favorite pants. When I I went, I remember going to your pop up at a Tanner Goods. Was that last year? Yeah, that was, was last like, September. It? Yeah, September. But like, I, I stopped by because I hadn't seen you in a little while. And I tried on the pants and I was like, oh my God. Like these things are the real deal. And Thank you. Like just all the, de- like, the detail and the material and just how well thought out like, like your output is. <laughs> like just keeps me like like guessing and i'm just like oh my gosh like where did like what did what does this mean what is this what does this belt mean like what yeah, like, yeah. It's, like this side pockets and just the craftsmanship around it is just something i i really respect and for you to open my eyes to like what is possible as like an independent creator hmm. and creating relationships with with vendors and 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 seamstresses and then you're coming up with your your making your own patterns and 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 really asking the important questions as to how to create 
don't want to use the word, but sustainable or not waste yeah. product yeah, yeah. out there, you know? So it's, you've been a huge inspiration uh, as far as as a creator and then I'm always like looking like what is what's Rob up to like what's going on right now what's like what are you inspired by these days and and <laughs> what are you noticing in the social fashion landscape mixed with just general human beingness like what's <laughs> what's out there that 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 I can learn as well first of all thank you <laughs> uh, you're welcome I uh yeah I think getting to create the that 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 the pant that you're wearing and that whole first collection was like a really cool experience for me because you know uh you know I've worked I've worked with some other companies and around a lot of amazing and talented people and um deciding to to try to do it on your own is definitely a scary thing um and then to actually you know release release that product yeah. out in the world is a little bit intimidating uh and it's been cool to to see people get excited about it because um you know it wasn't just me it was a you know a not a small ensemble cast of you know pattern makers and uh, sewers and fabric sources and mm-hmm. you know vendors and stuff like that um and I, what I've what, what I've really enjoyed about my career is actually getting to meet and work with all these different people, um, and you know, to be able to bring all those elements together and create a product that people get excited about uh, is super cool. Because at the end of the day, it's it's actually is like I said, there's a, there's an army of people out there that go into every garment, um, not just for us, like anybody. And I, I, but what I loved is uh, being able to actually you know, acknowledge that, that work and the, the people that are part of it. Um, mm-hmm. So thankful to them. But. Yeah. I think, and I think the audience, like consumers, like people want to know the story of the people that they create it. And there's like, oh, this, yeah. like create, like industry creates these big walls that separate like the creator from like the, the end result. But it's like the story of the hands that built yes the 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 product like that's that's where all the value is like all the values in the story of the that's being told of the inspiration of the creator like we want to take down the walls and and yes and remove that that separation yeah I, th- I think that's been the thing that has been difficult to define for the brand you know making the products and designing is uh some been doing for a while so it's it feels really natural it's fun um mm-hmm. i think uh I think trying to find more ways to tell the story behind it, uh, behind the, you know, the people that are part of it, that's, you know, that's important for me. That's important for um, what I want the brand to represent. It isn't just about the hike club as a community, but, you know, it goes all the way back to, you know, the, the, the people making the patterns, the people cutting, um, the people doing all the sewing. Uh, all in all in LA, um, and this first collection was actually done here in Portland uh, with Portland Garment Factory, um, and uh, yeah. So I think wanting to see that sense of community because you know the the um, there's a great documentary called The True Cost, um, and it's 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 about kind of the fashion and fast fashion um, industry, and one of the statistics in there is that one in five people on the planet at some point come in and help in the uh, supply 
supply chain uh, in sales of clothing, uh, mm-hmm. which was blew my mind because I was like, you know, that's a lot of people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think as an industry, it seemed it was interesting to me because it does it seems to affect so many different people. Um, you know, and what we're doing is much is very small, but um, but yeah, we just we want to continue to find um, ways to express the story around the product mm-hmm. and the and the people behind it, um, and also just the, our own our own take on um, sustainability, uh, which is like you mentioned this not waste concept. Um, so, you know. One of the things that we realized uh, that I that I realized kind of from working at a bigger industry level is there's a lot of leftover stuff from just the production. So there's a lot of leftover fabric, trims, things that just kind of don't end up finding a home on a on a garment. Um, and so that you know there's a lot of different areas of of waste in the process, but that area is the the area that looked like we could do a little bit of something, um, and so what we do is we we work with all dead stock materials. So it's all f- fabrics that have been created already. Um, so we're not we're not having we're not weaving anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot a lot of what we work with is you know wovens and ripstops and um, you know the paint that you're wearing was actually leftover military fabric. Mm. Um, and we want to use those those fabrics in a contemporary way. Um, so we you know combine that and make it make it into a, a silhouette pattern jacket pant whatever mm-hmm. um, and yeah so for for us it was kind of about this idea to to relook at what we think of as waste uh, and use it in a fresh way um, and the storytelling part of it which as a designer like a product designer it's, it's still a new muscle for me it's like is it now it definitely that, feels like the huh. uh, the the I feel like a kid again sure. <laughs> doing it. Or I'm like, I I don't know if this is how you do this. Uh-huh. Um but it's um that's the side of things that we really want to talk about this year more. because mm-hmm. uh, I think that w- what we would love to do is 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 um you know have the concept of what we're doing and the ideas of what we're doing continue to be shared out into the world and be something that um inspires inspires bigger companies to relook at waste that they may have yeah. um, and use that first uh, rather than creating, you know, more fabric out in the world. Sure. Sure. The storytelling element was something that I was meaning to ask as well. Like, like the story of the type of cut, like I, I'm kind of like on the outskirts of like understanding uh, what goes behind producing garments but i'm more of like a critic of like when something comes out it's like oh yeah i fuck with that like that's dope (laughs) that's trying too hard and i'll have like my my opinions but how did you approach storytelling with the with the first rollout or was that kind of like you live your life and you have these combined experiences and then you kind of like consolidate all of those things and just put that energy into the garment and then it essentially will tell its own story rather than this was a 1972 military jacket from from uh like slovakia and it's just Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. oh like we want to do it so like there's a lot of those (laughs) types of stories but sure but where where does the rubber meet the road when it comes to actually like uh 
having like a, a a potent rooted story as to creating something and then creating the story afterwards sure yeah yeah i mean um i think that like you said there's there's a lot of different inspirations from a design perspective that go into a garment um you know some people approach it more heritage where they're like i want to recreate yeah. or be inspired by this 1976 you know apache helicopter yeah totally <laughs> um and certainly that's 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 fun and it's in there um i think for me from um f- for me a lot of the reason that i got really interested in outdoor space is because i it's still kind of so new that it doesn't have necessarily a whole ton of um defined parameters yes it's like it's kind of always new it always is kind of looking for a new story yeah which is interesting to me um but at the same time uh i like things with a sense of like history if you will Mm um where you kind of you get a sense of it it feels grounded yeah in those times yeah. so for me it's it, that's why like the materials themselves i like when they have a story so like the specifically finding like kind of this military twill was um was pretty exciting because it's you know it in and of itself has a feeling yeah but then when designing the actual style it was a little bit more looking at you know um some of the design details from like old uh, older military kind of um 70s early 80s military uh like pocket construction stuff like that but then the actual silhouette was really really modern and 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 looking more at like just how the body actually moves Mm -hmm. uh, and designing the pant to have like shaping through the through the legs that it just kind of just fits right Mm -hmm. that makes sense and it it, when you move in it it feels really natural yeah um rather than kind of pulling in fabrics with stretch to create movement um want to i'd like i like focusing more on the actual shape of the garment so that it doesn't really matter what fabric you use like the fabric that you're that's on the pant that you're wearing is like doesn't have any stretch at all yeah none at all but i, I feel very comfortable in these like i yeah. can like i can at least like lift my leg up yeah, like, yeah I can, totally. like i can move around and squat if i need to yeah so i think that that's kind of for me it's a little bit of you know the scientific methodology for like the design and the the pattern making the shape of a, of a garment but then it's definitely like the storytelling of the fabrics and yeah. some of the details where it f- it's kind of like that hybrid of mm-hmm. two histories. Yeah, it seems like there can be different uh, entry points for where does the story start and which yeah. one's going to be the voice and the catalyst to, to, to whether it's the fabric or the cut. Yeah. It's kind of like an introduction before you start reading the book just to kind of get like a general understanding of who wrote the book. Yeah. What like they gotta give their shout outs to the to their people totally. and like yeah, yeah. this is the overview and now <laughs> we'll get into chapter one. But yeah, yeah. but I feel like whatever element from the creative process, like whether it is the, the garment or the material or the cut or the any type of inspiration yeah. and that can kind of be like the driving force and I guess like allow you the uh, kind of the bearing to just be like you know what we're just going to carry this all the way through because I'm inspired enough by this one thing right here to 
bring me to the next step yes. and bring me to the next step and then the next step instead yeah. of concept. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. that, that one place that yeah. we always go to. I mean, I really, I really appreciate designers that can like bring a concept and a story to life that's all like, you know, I just picked this theme and I, I went for it. Yeah. Like, it's amazing. Yeah. I think for me, I, I'm, I'm so grounded in like, you know, just fact and in <laughs> gesture of history or yeah. like gesture of a material, you know, like I don't need it to actually be from the same mill that did the same jacket from the same time period. Sure. It feels a little, for me, that, that stuff's cool, but it, it definitely doesn't, it's not necessarily how I would choose to create something. That's, that's mm-hmm. all it really comes down to. Yeah. I guess when you have like those opportunities, like when you have the, when you know it's possible and you're just like, Oh, like going this extra step that is, flying across the other side of the world that's a little bit out of the way yeah. when somebody down the street can do it it's like that's adding to the story as well yeah it's can, like oh yeah, like totally. I went like I remember I know uh, I'm a fan of the brand Scotch and Soda their their uh, winter garments are like constructed beautifully and like I yeah. have a number of their jackets their summer collections are like whack <laughs> like whatever but I remember when I used to go to the store a lot like I would hear stories about like the owners like drive it or like having like a layover in japan and then like they're going back to the states but then like i guess they ac- they were accidentally dropped off in miami or something so like something about like japan to miami or something and then you see like the bombers the bomber jacket satin bomber jacket stitched with like a japanese tiger with like like a, a miami color vibe and i'm just like mm. oh just to hear that story that like they missed their plane in tokyo and ended up in yeah, miami yeah, yeah. and like they spell it out verbatim over their their uh, creative output is something that i'm just like like integrating life in in art and making yeah, it all yeah. one like that's that's how that's how we're supposed to be as humans is is we experience these things they inform us and then we we synthesize it and give it out to the world in whatever yeah. medium that we choose. It's funny you say that because I I, um, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest and, uh, you know, I looking at what really inspired me with my upbringing, it was just outdoors, which was like just kind of this catch-all of like going outside. I don't yeah. know, like it wasn't necessarily like to do anything specifically you know we skied and did some mountain biking and but we also spent a lot of time just you know going to um you know oneonta gorge in um or oneonta falls in the in the columbia gorge on like a hot day it was mm-hmm. just it just was nice in there yeah and i think there was a bit of this we we didn't, we didn't think of it like as an outdoor experience it was just kind of like oh we just we're gonna just go here um and um I think that was that was one of the things where I was like, when I was thinking about what is it, what is it that I want to do with my apparel design um, practice and career, I was like, I I kind of want to get back to that feeling, um, and get back to just those roots a little yeah, bit. So yeah. it's that's what's it's funny you say that because it's like you know, a lot of the design time like the design process is coming from you know my contemporary design practice but then a lot of it is also just like i kind of just like these bold gestures from weird north face jackets from like the 1990s and Mm -hmm. um some of the like ripstop fabrics that we would find in old uh military surplus stores as a kid like getting ready for camping or something like that and Mm -hmm. um 
yeah, there's something kind of, it's, uh, you know, it isn't retro-reflecting, it isn't purely future-focused, it's kind of this, um, this idea of uh, mashing those two worlds up, and, mm-hmm. and I think, like you said, it, it's, it creates, for me at least, it creates this, uh, there's m- multiple entry points, so if you're interested in, like, vintage stuff, cool, there's some cool old fabric in here, if you're more interested in contemporary stuff, the styling itself and the, the design details are modern. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll work, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's a it's definitely different because like uh, working in sportswear f- for a good chunk of my career, um, you know, I'd talk with guys that grew up with like you know these really amazing sport memories and are like every everyone had their different jordan that they really liked um and for me i was like yeah i kind of have a shoe that's like that it's called the air mock <laughs> and people would be like what they just look at me blankly and yeah. i was like uh the air mock was actually like a shoe kind of designed for a more granola outdoor vibe yeah. um and i cliff bar yeah it was kind of yeah exactly and it, it's um I st- I love that shoe. I have a I have a pair around here, mm-hmm. but it's so funny because that shoe is so iconic, just to me personally. Yeah. But it's like, you know, uh, I I think like I uh, those experiences, those cultural experiences, resonated with me. But just from a weird g- growing up in the Northwest yeah. outdoor kid kind of. Sure. Vibe. <laughs> yeah. It, t- it it takes a while to like accept those things where you're just like yeah like I'm going so contrary to what everybody else is doing and totally and uh, to accept those things i mean it's the most portland thing you could probably do because we you know got drexler and blazers of the same era where Mm -hmm. you know apparently could have could have drafted jordan yeah we could have been a slightly different story could have Um, could have but no but at the same time i think that's just kind of i always really appreciated that people had those experiences and then coming around to it and asking myself what what is accepting that about myself that I was like oh no I just I don't quite totally relate to that I get it but I don't necessarily have the same like memory sure that I draw off of yeah I think you're hitting on like uh like the creative expression being like an embodiment and just trying to synthesize that embodiment or like how are you feeling when you imagine these things and when you create these things like how do you feel when you're having these experiences that you're that you're inspired or drawn upon so when somebody relates to your work or experiences like they experience themselves uh unencumbered by the what's happening over there but like they're in nature like they're in their own nature when they're interacting with with your uh product or with hike club advantages hike club yeah or just generally interacting even in a like social like when having those uh cues and uh uh assets or information that's transmitted that have this essence of experience of self in nature yeah and, and trying to weave that textile of how do i infuse like my like my essence in my heart in in the freedom of nature like we look yeah. up and it's blue skies green green trees and it's like you appreciate that having that appreciation built in where someone else can kind of follow that same uh mode of understanding of oh we're in nature 
Yeah. This is me. This yeah, is totally. A, this is, I feel natural. What does it vanishes mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Light one. Actually, it's actually fairly straightforward. Um, the The philosophical perspective was going out into nature. There was just this experience of kind of uh, disappearing from like the day to day and not worrying so much about like how full the email inbox might be um, and actually just having a like a spiritual experience that transforms you from um, you know expectation into just curiosity mm-hmm. so um, it vanishes kind of it it was this idea of uh, you know just kind of disappearing from day to day life for a little bit mm-hmm. um, and it also is a, a kind of a reflection of the way we make product. So uh, because everything is dead stock, we can't remake anything that we did. So if we make anything super successful, we can't replicate it. Yeah. Um, you know, we can make the same silhouettes, but the actual same garment, you know, fabric for fabric and all that stuff um, mm-hmm. isn't the way we do it. So yeah. it's this idea that... Um, you know, everything is everything is temporary and weirdly, on including um, the way that we design products. Mm-hmm. You know, things come back around. You know, every spring, you know, fall, leaves fall, and everything kind of goes dormant, and then in the spring it comes back, but it's a little different than the year before. Yeah, and I think that's how that's how I look at it. Not not necessarily life and death because that would be very heavy. Yeah, yeah. but more just That's about so corporate too. <laughs> <laughs> more more just this idea of like we we exist in a uh, uh, a span of time, you know, and, and any one moment isn't quite like the next one. Sure, it's same thing. If These you go moments vanish. Yeah, every single moment does. If you do the same hike or you you surf the same wave or you know you have the same trail or whatever each time you do it it's a little different than the last time mm-hmm. it might be familiar but um you know when you're really paying attention it's always a little bit different so mm-hmm. it's called yeah. a, it's a call to live in the live in the now i guess yeah <laughs> yeah and the way the way that i interpret it is like any type of wall of separation or division or perception of separateness like that's what vanishes like that i like that it vanishes so i'm just like okay like he's thinking on these conceptual levels like (laughs) i like this what aaron said (laughs) what uh are you inspired by these days oh man um Uh, I've I've been really inspired by the way that people are trying to use social media to connect tangibly with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, it's 2020. It's May. Uh, we've we've all been staying home um, to keep everybody in our community safe. Uh, but at the same time, we're we're very social beings, and it's kind of cool that we've found ways of trying to connect with each other, even though we're, we're not like, you know, in each other's space. Um, I think that social media is, was getting a little too crispy. If, if it was, yeah. look, it was yeah, like yeah, a little yeah, too yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of loving the fact that it's, we've all just gotten back on our, on social media and we're, we're kind of just hanging out in the backyard and just mm-hmm. kind of taking the photos with the, iphone and yeah people aren't being so precious about like the image that they put out they're just like you know what like this is today so let's just put it out it seems like people feel 
and I, maybe I don't know, maybe me too a little bit. But the the medium feels a little bit more engaged with being expressive and not really necessarily worrying about being perfect right now. Mm-hmm. I I think we should keep that. <laughs> Hopefully, because okay. I feel like you know, um, it's extremely it's the most modern thing we have is this social networking, um, and I think that I've always had this. F- perspective of like it could be a really amazing catalyst for communication and uh learning and understanding of each other and and um appreciation for for like just the wild amount of different kinds of people that live on our planet yeah um in a in a warm way toward each other Mm -hmm. and i think we kind of try to monetize it um. Yeah, every, every single chance we get, like somebody <laughs> drops a gem, and it's like, oh, yeah. sign up for this two-week trial of my cons- consultations. Yeah, I think, um, you know, and you gotta, it's that's part of life too, is you know, trying to mm-hmm. make an income and make make a living. But um, but yeah, I think, and I'm kind of just excited to like learn a new recipe from someone and. Mm-hmm. Get um, it's been amazing to hear all these musicians share their music just through live stream and yeah, um, yeah. You know, I know that that's not necessarily the most beneficial to the musicians individually, but it is really incredible uh, to be able to have that have this great exposure directly into this kind of raw process that a musician is yeah, sharing. Yeah. So, um, you know. Yeah, it, it, I think that I think that stuff is cool. Like that's what we should have been using this thing for. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, the the rawness and the vulnerability that people feel called to to share is definitely a, yeah. a huge shift that that I definitely appreciate, and it's inspired me to be more open and and more vulnerable and just like put it out there because that's how we like learn and grow. Like yeah. when, you, when you see somebody's process, like I saw, like I was on Tory Lanez's. Uh, quarantine radio and he was like in the studio and just showed like him freestyling a part of a song and then telling the engineer to go back but he was just freestyling the song just doing like little snippets and it's like oh like that's helping somebody understand like how to create a song in this type of way that's not writing every single verse down and when you used to think oh yeah I gotta get my 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 rule book and I gotta write down these verses or I gotta write it in the phone he's like no I'm just gonna just freestyle it and then get the engineer to go back and and then so you you teach each other just from sharing the things that we have learned at whatever point in the journey that you are like even if you're just learning something you can help somebody else just learn something yeah yeah totally so that's why yeah it's i'm super inspired by that as well yeah there's something about being able to see the process kind of going back to that whole theme of of quote copying um it isn't necessarily about copying the final product Mm -hmm. and while that's interesting it's really the more about learning some other insight about the way that someone works or something. Yeah. You know, like, um, yeah. Do you think, do you think that this kind of feeling of vulnerability is, you know, something that is helping people feel more connected? They feel more open. I think that's the end result, but I don't think it's the most easy thing to recognize with the vulnerability. It's like right now, if you're vulnerable, you're not like, oh my God, I'm so much more open and free. And yeah, like it's with wisdom. That's the realization that you come to when you practice that reflection. But I think there's a lot of confusion and anxiety 
that that take the the brunt of the attention and For that's sure. what people pull away is like oh that was scary but then they don't look at the benefit of mm. of it yeah yeah it de- yeah it seems um like you said it's a, there's kind of a result of the anxiety that, mm-hmm. that opens us up to something totally you know? totally yeah i've been feeling anxious like lately over the Same. last like number of weeks and like usually i'm like I'm just on like I'm I'm like happy and just like I can manage myself very well but just being very present with the the anxiety and and like the ways that my mind is deciding to fill like the time of like not whether it's like just not being focused or obsessing over conditions that aren't that I have no control over and like like wishing for something to happen and I'm just like oh, yeah. I'm like I'm just like observing my mind and I'm just like I am, and also getting caught up in it but having a general perspective of like oh this is gonna pass this is just like that down like the dip yeah that i can handle way more tactfully than i used to handle where it's like i it would fuck me up for (laughs) like months but like i'll have a few bad days and i'll just be like oh that's just that was just that day and and then yeah something will inspire me like today this podcast came at the perfect like time because i was like i'm getting stir crazy like i need i need something new like there's been yeah, a lot yeah. of change and shifting for me and a lot of processing of old emotions and then like i was like i need to like see somebody and then seeing you today i'm just like all right <laughs> cool like we're we're off on a new timeline now of uh creative process like this is going to be going back home listen to this over edit this and then it's something that mm. i can produce and then who knows like who listens to this and and gains something from it so i'm engaged with that and i don't have to be mentally caught up in these stories that i've been caught up with these last like few weeks or days sure like, yeah, yeah, yeah i can be i don't want to say distraction distracted because it's not a distraction it's what i want to be doing but yeah. it's like i'm i'm like all right well do I wallow in this this anxiousness or do I just go get this podcast done and and engage with the process and, and transcend and, and use this time? So Yeah. Yeah, there's something about that like going into the studio that regrounds you, even mm-hmm. though it's like I don't know exactly what I'm going to find here. I just yeah. got to go practice the Yeah, thing. even like if I open up like Procreate, I'll just like scribble around and stuff. And it's like, yeah. maybe I'll be inspired to create like a some art, some digital art. I've been doing more of that lately. And it's funny, whenever you're like, even if you're away from like your practice or your process for like a couple of days, you come back, you're like, why have I been neglecting this? This is such a big part of my life. <laughs> yeah, what, right. have, what have I been trying to find happiness in other corners? Like, it's it's so true. I, I I uh I can wake up pretty early if I'm excited about yeah, something creatively. Totally. And I'll definitely sleep in if it's more about, you know, preparing tax information. <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying uh about the anxiety of of doing interviews and talking with talking with people especially live. Yeah. Cuz I'm like, who am I to have all these opinions? <laughs> but um but you know, at the same time, I you know we're all people, and I think everybody has an interesting story to share. Um, hopefully, there's some interest in this one. The, but yeah, the it's still I don't know. It's like very, I get um, it's very you get I get anxiety about talking about with talking. People. Yeah, because like yeah, hey, maybe if everything I'm trying to articulate doesn't come out the right way and sure it's misunderstood or just doesn't sound 
compelling. <laughs> but when it hits, though, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah I'm onto something. Because I'm like, oh, if, it's, if what I'm saying isn't compelling, then I'm not yeah. compelling. You know, it just can spiral out. Sure. But uh, I'm more just enjoying being able to just share. Yeah. Opening presence. Yeah, opening presence. No, I, I guess growing up, just like wanting to say the perfect thing, articulate it a hundred percent, but going yeah. back to like the creative output, yeah. if my intention is there, the execution doesn't matter. So if I, if I yeah. have something that I want to convey, but I just don't have like my words and I just can't like just whatever communication I have with the person or whatever. Yeah. And I'm just like, you know what? Like, I just don't have it right now. Like, I, I just don't have it right now, but <laughs> I know my now. intention is there. So I'm not going to punish myself for not articulating this message with precision to you. That's good, man. Honestly, like, I it's think, a practice, but that's kind of where I look at it now. I, I think about that too. Like, it's just, I can't do it right now. You know, I'm not there right now. And, you know, certainly with people that we care about and everything, we, we really try. And I think people do a pretty good job in that space. Creatively, sometimes though, where you're like, I can't quite get the thing expressed right. And it, it might be, might just be a component that you haven't picked up yet. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think that is something that, um, you know, I was actually just thinking making product for it vanishes and designing is very comfortable. You know, developing things, super comfortable. That language is familiar. The The thing that I'm anxious about is like making it a business. Yeah. Because it's like, I'd, I'm a, I'm like an art kid nerd. Like marketing things is, is not second nature to me. Mm-hmm. Um, running a website is like, sure, you know, there's some great tools out there. Uh, Shopify, shout out. Um, but but it isn't it isn't the the home core mm-hmm. uh, um, like skill set yeah and um and certainly like storytelling is something new but it's kind of something i've been like figuring out for a couple years now yeah and i'm like starting to actually enjoy it still learning a lot and trying to figure out the best way to express things and keep them sharp and contained but um but yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a, like, I, I think like what you're saying is the intention is there. And I think, um, one of the things that when I first set out to do it vanishes, I was, I was like, I'm going to do this for five years. I don't know what life will be in those five years, but I'm going to do it for five years. And if, if at the end it's a wash, you know, great. Um, and it's been interesting because, this is almost this is going into year three now mm-hmm. um and uh i've i feel like things are coming together the best they've ever mm. they feel the most fluid yeah. and it's also some some parts of it are like the biggest and mm-hmm. like for instance the high club was a big part of what we do but we can't we're not going to do that right now because of you know social distancing and uh, stuff like that mm-hmm. but i don't really feel nervous about it i, I feel pretty excited about the people that um, that we've connected with and th- looking at things in a whole fresh way and like you know it wasn't like oh here's this five year strategy it was more like you know here's a strategy and we're gonna do the thing for five years yeah um, and I'm you know in that f- in just the last three years uh, I've found a lot more comfort and confidence in the in in 
skills in all these different areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm hoping that in another two years, it'll really feel, it'll continue to feel like, oh, wow, I'm learning a lot. Totally. You know? And maybe yeah. maybe in five years, it'll be more learning about like bank loans and financing. Sure. Uh, something. Ooh, I'm yeah. pushing that off for like forever. <laughs> yeah, talk about like, reasons uh, to sleep even, in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, uh, uh, next subject. What yeah, else totally, do you want yeah. to talk about? Finances? What? Um, What's that? But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I think that, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. And that's kind of, but I know that I want to do it and I want to wake up and like, mm-hmm. and I'm excited about that. And yeah. I think that's the thing that, you know, being excited about what you're doing every day is really, really important. Yeah. Uh, I think when you're, when you're more excited about what you're going to be doing in five years than you're excited about what you're doing today too many days in a row like that aren't very good for us as humans sure but um and certainly there's sacrifices and all that that we'll make for our the our lives for the people in them but um but yeah i don't know there's there's like a taking it day by day yeah how long did it take you to find something that you wanted to do every single day or that you're excited to do like i'm coming into that space finally as a 31 year old person i was like oh i finally like found things that like i can like hang my hat on and be like you're fulfilling your purpose here and yeah there's going to be ups and downs but like overall like the mission is very like oh like this isn't going to change like yeah thinking that meditation helps people and i can affect people by sharing my story and the stories of my friends and who are beautiful creators and i'm just like oh yeah like that's that's what i want to do it's just that yeah. and then outside like that's that's like a an element of my creative yeah, yeah. process as an artist like like i'm not even talking about like painting and it's just like oh yeah like i do that stuff too so yeah just sharing everything that 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 comes to me naturally or that i feel like i don't need i can't conceal anymore like that's my uh biggest uh thing to overcome is to hold the things that i have inside and i have to just express those and share those but i guess to to feel inspired to do it every single day is like a relatively new feeling for me Mm. yeah so where did you find that for yourself or did that evolve with your experience in like the sports apparel industries and then did that inform you of what what is required of you to achieve happiness Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, what I would say is that I've I've had different chapters of that. I think early on in my career, I was really excited to wake up and and go to work, and like I couldn't believe that people would pay me to make and design things, um, and I really enjoyed that. And then I, I think at a certain level, um, I lost a bit of that creative intuition thing that you get from from doing your own thing yeah um and i you know i was trying to f- i kind of burnt out a little bit because i was like i don't i don't know if i can design more stuff that's gonna end up being landfill um which you know every we're human beings everything we make at some level is not gonna be used forever uh, yeah <laughs> um but the um i think what what inspired kind of I think that like a little bit of going into this is going into this last three years has been about kind of getting uh, 
rediscovering my um, rediscovering the the motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, certainly there were days where I'm like, man, this is not helping anyone. <laughs> uh, and I think really re-examining, but I love doing it. I don't. It's a weird thing. You're like, what did I do for people today? You know, the, you can make an argument. We made clothes available to people to, to wear, but um, and on a deeper level, I wanted to I wanted to to re-examine what it was I was doing um, as a designer and and a contributor, like someone who's passionate about clothing and um, passionate about the outdoors. So that's where I was like, I want to I want to do this, but I want to I want to make it cool, but I also want to make it, um, you know. I want to make it in a way that that supports and amplifies like the community and the planet mm-hmm. as best I can, um, and, mm-hmm. and that that once that mission became more and more clear, I got more and more excited about it. Yeah, don't get me wrong, I, I still don't like you know sitting back and doing all the accounting, <laughs> but um, but when it, when when you're seeing people also get excited about it, there's just nothing there's nothing quite like that because I'm like I've been been practicing this for a long time yeah and to see it start to come to life in a shape that i feel like is my part of my identity um and people are you know buying buying products that um that have that have just come out of my own world you know that have come out of my own creative brain is been the most rewarding part of my career Mm -hmm. it's um and i and i think that I hope that that continues to evolve. Like whatever whatever this thing is now, that's this that's really exciting, which is seeing people connect with this concept. Um, you know, I hope maybe in twenty years uh, it'll be something else, and I can find that thing. Sure. But it, it's um, yeah, it's like not a linear thing. It kind of it's a little bit elusive, maybe. Yeah. Are you finding that kind of as you've been going into your thirties here? Yeah, I'm starting to get feedback i think i really like need feedback yeah because it's hard for me to like ask for it and i've been able to like glean information from from people that are participating in the things like i'm starting to get messages like from like my live and direct meditations Mm. so my facetimes there's a there's a couple of people uh i actually had one on uh the other day her name is jen but she was introduced to live and direct meditation uh, on Instagram, my series, um, through a friend of mine, but through yeah. my podcast. Oh, so cool. I released a podcast that was like the decision I made to take meditation seriously. And she listened to that and then showed up to my live and direct uh, meditations. Oh, nice. And was on two nights ago, and she's been meditating 26 days straight. Dang. So she's meditated every single day for 26 days. And I asked her, I was like, <laughs> do you mind coming onto this platform? Because that's what the whole thing is about is to jumpstart people's meditation practice and yeah. take down that wall of that perception of thinking it's like this far off thing. Yeah. Yeah. So like creating it's right that there. space, I created the space and then like I got the feedback of like, I've meditated for this long. And then that's I have amazing. another friend, her name is Kaden, who decided that she was going to commit to... 365 days of meditation and she shared that with me and I was like oh my god and I got another uh, person 
named Lauren who's been showing up like consecutively for like this la- this whole last week and I'm just yeah. like oh like I'm providing some I'm providing a service for other people and it's like it gets me into my own practice it's a yeah. it's like a shoehorn for me to be able to just get into my own practice and reflect and and be vulnerable like this last week I was like I like I was expressing before like I haven't been feeling like myself and I've but I'm very aware of like this big transition that's happening globally and and yeah. my physiology is just a part of the big energy shift yeah. and just keeping that perspective. I'm like, all right, well, I don't feel great, but I'm still going to go live. Yeah, like, totally. I'm still going to go live. I'm still going to sit here and interact and tell people how I'm feeling and yeah. where my mind has been going. I'm going to like record this podcast today. Like I'm not going to like so being engaged with with everything yeah. but also like knowing it's like it is for a greater purpose like yeah. to get to introduce somebody to their meditation practice where they can support themselves emotionally yeah, and yeah. physically and and help themselves and their family yeah. it's like if i could do that like pff, that's already written i don't have to, <laughs> i don't have to convince myself of like oh it's not the cool thing it's not swag yeah. and da, da, da. i'm just like like as far as like values concern like i don't need to question that and that's that's the point where i was like oh i can just accept my out my my offerings to the world as completely valid even though if there's not like a quantifiable uh result for me right now like right now i'm just like oh i'm not getting paid to to do that but it's like it doesn't matter yeah so i'm just like all right like let's see how it goes like like you said it's like we just kind of just we can add these little little things but just a lot of guessing and checking but the intentions there and however it's executed is how it's executed and then we just learn well and I, along I mean the way yeah i was gonna say i've seen i've been following along on the, the just the, the the flyers the posters yeah, posts. <laughs> yeah. well it's like doing and more like, graphic design yeah they've gotten super super cool you know i'm like <laughs> super uh, silly some of them <laughs> some of them silly but it's like good silly yeah. you know and i think like i think uh they connect more and more you yeah. know, I think that's what's. I mean, the first ones were great. They, were, I connected. I got it. But like, I'm more and more. I'm like, man, this is good. This is cool. <laughs> they're just, yeah, they're just silly. But it's like I've always wanted to. Like graphic design has always been like, just a little bit out of reach because like I open up Photoshop and then I try to like build things like an artist. Like I make a shape and then. Oh yeah. But it's like you need to do this X, Y, and Z. Yeah. It's like, I go the roundabout way and try to figure (laughs) it out myself. And I don't pay attention to layers and masks and, and doing those types of things. So like this last, like since I've dropped the podcast and since I've been doing the meditations, I've been just creating my own marketing and materials, which makes me spend time in Photoshop and create flyers and all different dimensions and different styles. And I'm just like, Oh, like I've been, I've been making collages and stuff lately. And I was like, Oh, I fuck with collages really hard. All right. So now I'm, (laughs) so now I'm just building out like the marketing side of whatever it is that I'm producing. So it's, it's interesting to see like everything develop. There there was a designer I worked for early on in my career and specifically on the, the topic of illustrator and photoshop files Mm -hmm. and i remember like you know i had like i had to do like some graphics he had to do a bunch of graphics i was like so stoked i had like a couple options for like three and then he showed me his artboard and my jaw dropped for every image like every graphic there was like surrounding the artboard was all of these things that he had tried and failed let go of and like Mm -hmm. done this thing and then he refined it down to this and i was like 
what? And I, and it's funny because like, um, you know, that's what you did. You just the more you get into it, the more you end up creating, and the it's like you do create, you do select a little bit more selectively as you go. Yeah. You kind of, but because it's you, you start mastering the process of getting there. Yeah. And so the wonderment comes from more like the the like, you know, the the expression of the thing rather than the wonderment of the process of getting there. Sure. But I don't know. Some, I think that, I, I don't know. There's something so funny about, I always am like, a, I feel like there should be a coffee table book just of people's raw files. Ooh. You zoom out of like your raw file in Illustrator or Photoshop and just all the garbage that's in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's heinous, but like once you kind of like find like a little, like alleyway to get to success like for me it's it's collage yeah. like it's collage oh, yeah. like jump up the noise a little bit make it a little bit more gritty just so it's not perfect oh no, it's good and just like i'm like okay like i know what lane i need to go like kind of like gestural poetic like uh middle eastern desert with like just a touch uh, of psychedelia yeah exactly just a touch of it. Just exactly a touch. <laughs> exactly with like with like a with like an old plane in the background or something <laughs> yeah, like totally. yeah i made one recently for like a, like a cover like a episode cover and it it was like a grainy red backdrop with like the like a desert but then i had a 96 ss impala parked in the middle of the sand yes. and then i had miss parker from friday like washing the car <laughs> and i was like in like a an old uh vintage airplane and i was like oh like that's that's cool it's this very like minimal there's only like five totally. elements in it but it's like in my other art it's like i just jumble the whole entire canvas with a bunch of shapes and colors and just flood you over the head with it and then yeah. i have to change my style when it comes to digital so uh how do you know when you're done with a piece when I decide, I yeah. think I think just getting better at deciding and just be like, all right, I'm done. Yeah, yeah. I'm done. Yeah, I don't totally. need to. I don't need to move things around anymore. It's yeah. like that's good enough. And then afterwards, you still see things that are wrong with it, but it's just like letting go of that judgment afterwards. Yeah, like, I'm sure it's a lot harder with like garment. Like you can't do that with like your clothing, but like with yeah. with digital assets, photos, anything like that, like it can be off and you, you and do just it get with, done with it. You do it with clothing a little bit too. Because there's certainly things that just in the process and so many human beings are making something, it just can't be done exactly the way you want it to be. Sure, sure. So it's really so you interesting. Just up with it. Kind, uh, kind of. I mean, you kind of learn to love it. It's like like that's the best case. You're mm-hmm. like because sometimes it's like you're like oh that's way smarter than the way I was thinking this would be done. Sure. And sometimes sure. you're like, yeah, it's good enough. Yeah. Um, and that's it's never like a compromise of the actual product. It's always yeah. just like you know what your recipe should taste like and you gotta like be okay when and because it's out of your control it's another person making it yeah anyway that's something i need to get rid of myself is like the compromise like i need to fight for my vision yes because like i so hard like if somebody like like if it's like i didn't order pineapple on this pizza and it's just like oh it's fine though it's like no it's not fine i don't like pineapple (laughs) on my pizza why am i eating pineapple on my pizza so it's like getting like as far as like standing up for like my creative beliefs yeah and in in spaces with other people and stuff where it's like no i've actually thought about these things and and this is how it needs what i want to do yeah Yeah. so i think stepping into that role is a lot more of where i'm at now it's just like aaron you know you got the vision 
just just trust do yourself. it yeah trust trust is fucking huge i feel like that's been the thing that's been so i've been dissecting a lot the last couple of years is the difference between uh intuition that leads to a you know creative out- output the vision that you have to try to ha- like bring it to life um and um the the acceptance or the um appreciation for the actual outcome that you do get mm-hmm. there's like these there's like those three kind of decision making mechanisms mm-hmm. or there's these three mechanisms at work and like um I, I constantly battle with myself. I'm like, like what part did I of? not? Did I not fight hard enough for the vision? Yeah. And I'm like, no, because if I would have fought harder, I think I would have been a dick. Um, <laughs> or sometimes you're like, no, I fought hard enough. I no, th- this wasn't a vision thing. This was a I want something that can't be made thing. Huh. <laughs> but it's like when you're saying like, oh, be a dick. But it's like if that's where you question your intention. Because if your yeah. intention is good, you can be a dick and get what you want. It's true. I I, I do kind of subscribe to that belief because I know plenty of I've gotten to work with plenty of creatives that are um, they push you, you know, mm-hmm. and they could they push you further than uh, than you would have thought that you were going to go. Mm-hmm. And I what I think is actually what I think happens is you're a dick when you're pushing people that don't want to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, you're difficult when you're pushing people that don't want to go there. And you're like a guru when you're pushing people that do want to go there. Yeah. To your question about feedback, I think that's something where certainly I've, I've had, like, bristled, bristly relationships or moments with receiving direction. But I've always tried to, like, see it through and go, you know, listen to the creative director, the design director, another artist or... And be like, all right, they they're saying this for a reason. Let's go there. Mm-hmm. And you know, we might go there, and it's amazing. And we might go there, and it's like, eh, vision wasn't super yeah, great yeah, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't yield a lot, but <laughs> but still, yeah, we're here now. But then when yeah, like you said, when it becomes your project, you have you, there's no one else that's gonna put the vision yeah and the work to get it to come to life exactly the way that you will. So. Totally. <laughs> Totally. Where where do you feel like intuition comes from f- for you, or like what what is your relationship to intuition and how it is implemented into your creative process? Oh man, that's a that's a good question. I think that I think that intuition is like the cousin of desire. You know, we we want to see a certain thing in the world, and therefore. The desire to see that thing is almost the draw of intuition to come and bring it to life. So, um, you know, I like, I think, I don't know, I'm kind of like, like the entire Apollo space program on a certain level is is some kind of weird intuition. It's Mm -hmm. a very strange thing if in 19, you know, 38, 45, someone was to be like, hey, you know what we should do? We should get in a little capsule and go way up, way up into space, and eventually to the moon, um, because long before, long before it was science, there was this intuition of like, I want to go there, I want to go do that thing, mm. um, probably for centuries, but certainly 
well documented in like um like the 1800s but there was like no like there's no concept of what the moon was you know like what it like there was but it wasn't like what we understand of it today post apollo mission but that but that that i really went off on a tangent but that 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 um that initial intuition to start the thing is kind of a reflex of your desire to see that thing realized yeah so i don't know i i mean i kind of think that i think that because otherwise you know why would you do anything you gotta yeah. have some want desire yeah to have it come to life yeah i think that's where it's so important to like connect with yourself in general just to yeah. just to be able to like f- see that vision through because it's like think how many intuitions we have or that come up that we just don't act upon yeah that are generally beneficial for more than more people than just you like yeah. intuition i feel like it doesn't it's not like a self-serving thing it's kind of like a it's like a like a collective pool of, yeah. of inspiration and thoughts. Like, you know, when people come up with the same idea at different times and stuff, but it's like sure. yeah, that same sure. idea affected the lives of so many people. Yes. It's like, I guess there's, I'm sure there's like some type of like, like self-preferential, like financial intuition. Like I'm going to invest in this so I can make billions of dollars. I'm sure there's yeah, intuition yeah, yeah. over there too. But like, I feel like when somebody has an idea or a spark of genius, like, I feel like that that intuition takes into account more than just the the person that that got hit with that inspiration. There's yeah, and I think maybe I'm kind of thinking of like creative intuition because yeah. there's also like there's also like the instinctual intuition where you're mm-hmm. like like you said it's like I think Tesla probably is a reasonable thing to invest in because you know batteries and yeah. electric power and um, people like. People like going fast very quickly, yeah. and uh, all the things that these guys make seem to do that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I like what you said about intuition being like they said, like cousin of desire, because it's like I don't know where intuition synthesizes into action, and, yeah. and where to denote the responsibility of my action to intuition. It's like that could also be desire too. Mm. Like you comes up with an idea, you come up with a, with something, but it's like was that intuition or desire and which which one is it it's like is it intuition that that uh said aaron do a podcast or is it just like just general rocco yeah the dog is we got he's starting to whine oh little baby baby. (laughs) but uh yeah so that's an interesting uh yeah like they're they're kind of like connected but not necessarily like you know things are so fluid in life yeah it's like it vanishes man yeah sometimes it vanishes it's like what what it's like you can't really quite hold on to some stuff in life it's your best is to kind of understand the you intuitively get it yeah it's always it always seems to kind of right when you're holding on to it the tightest it seems to like i've been a little evasive that very like (laughs) contemplative like just spaced out zone like i'm just like you know uh, like like i'm usually like pretty like engaged in in uh working with the parts that are available and yeah. ridding myself of tools that i don't need yeah, yeah. intellectually and i've kind of just like floated into this space of like contemplation of just but like without moving my hands or anything i'm just like i'm not engaging with it and i'm just like oh i'm just kind of just like floating here in consciousness and yeah 
in a level of angst and anxiety, but like just sitting with it and like, oh, this is interesting. Oh, we're just going to hang out here for a little bit. And if I'm inspired to do something, then I'll, then I'll go do it. But otherwise, I'm just going <gasps> to ponder. Hey, this isn't your home. It's like, you can't bark, bub. Come hey. on, Rocco. <laughs> Thank you so much, Rob, for inviting me over. I really enjoyed this conversation as well as every conversation that we have. And I'm just super grateful that you're in my life and that I can learn from you and collaborate with you awesome. in anything you ever need. I'm always just a call away. Thank you, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for thinking of me and, and encouraging me to get out and do this thing and inviting me to be part of it. Yeah. I want to support everything you're doing uh, creatively, community-wise. Um, and I think that, you know, between this podcast and, and meditation, it's really encouraging a, a whole new level of, like, mindfulness for people, which, like you said, is not necessarily, like, the traditional cool thing but if you're if you're in it it's the coolest thing yeah you know yeah so uh i've really enjoyed i've really enjoyed just our conversations like you said and uh, just kind of continuing to see what what you're putting into the world and like what you're continuing to um to share with the world and encourage other people to participate in so thank you yeah man i appreciate it where can people find you on the interwebs uh it banishes.com and on Instagram, it it dot banishes. Uh, yeah, come come find us. Come hang out. Find out about your own outdoor pursuits, your own experiences with nature. Hell yeah! Well, thank you so much, Rob, and thank you all for listening to Opening Presence. Mm-hmm.